You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, over the uh, the last few weeks, there's been a there's been a word that has been spoken over this body that uh, the minute I say it, our minds are going to go to a, a very specific thing because there's such a traditional reality around this word. But I'm going to ask you for just a moment to try to resist letting your mind go to where this word would typically take you. The word that's been spoken over this over this body, this congregation, for the last few weeks is the word revival. So where does your mind go? Meetings at night, week, you know, day by day, with, a, with an evangelist who comes, and, uh, and that is our typical thought, historically anyway, my childhood, of revival. And they were wonderful and profound opportunities to just come together before the Lord. But uh, that's not the direction that the Lord has taken me in that word. I want to share with you just for a minute. It may be longer than a minute. I don't want to get your hopes up because I don't want somebody to look at their watch and say, okay, you got 60 seconds, which 45 of those are now gone. <clears throat> I want to, what I have to say this morning is the beginning of what, of what God has shown me about, about revival within this body. I will start by saying I know that there aren't many things anymore that I could say that would actually shock you or surprise you. I, uh, I never intended to shock you in the first place. However, t- sometimes there's this startling reality of truth that is, that is shocking. It's often revolutionary and always liberating. My promise for the last 11 and a half years has been that I will tell you the truth as God reveals it and I will give it and share it as God tells me. If it, was, if it came with urgency, I want, I want to be urgent. If it came with intimacy, I want to be intimate. If it came with tenderness, I want the message to be tenderly given. If it came with power, I want it to be powerfully given because it's not just the message that I'm responsible to convey it's how he gave it. So I have no other desire, I want you to know this, I hope you already know it, than for him to bring any message and every message. And if I leave out the Holy Spirit, none of these things are possible. I'm left to my own devices, to my own messages, to my own emotions, and all the effort would be nothing more than a waste of time. And I do not ever By the time we spend together, we want to waste your time. The only way I know to to change that is to let the message be his and the means by which the message comes to be his. Because he and he alone knows you. I couldn't study you long enough, hear you describe yourselves deeply enough for me to know you, but the Holy Spirit knows you. Sitting here today, I hope you know there's whatever you've been trying to hide, he sees. And I hope you know whatever you've been trying to hide and that in fact he sees it, it has not affected even in the smallest way his love for you has not affected even in the smallest way 
the smile that he has on his face when he looks at you. Isn't it nice to know that there's no way I can erase the smile of God when he looks at me? For a congregation to become Christ-possessed, it takes a power that is beyond human ability. I'm going to say that again. For us to be a people of his presence, for us to be the kind of people that we read about in the New Testament that when Peter would walk and the shadow would would come across someone, that they would be healed. For us to be a people like that, for us to be a people who God sees, understands, recognizes, and moves through, then then it has to be more than our human ability. And I don't don't think that would shock anyone. I, I shared this morning... Uh, that I think it's the first weekend in October, but I'll, I'll get those dates ready. There's a conference in Lubbock, and Graham Cook is one of, one of the people that, is, that will be speaking and leading that conference. Now, again, I mentioned that name. Many of you don't know him, but I want to tell you, Graham Cook has been tremendously powerful as the one by whom God has used to lead me to truth. On our website, there's a, there's a video clip it's about five minutes long, and the title of it is about Graham Cook. It's when he, when he, met, when he first met a witch doctor. And it's, it's five minutes, but it's well worth watching. It would give you a good introduction into Graham Cook. But Graham Cook is coming, and, and I'm hoping that if I can find out in time, we can just get tickets and just make them available. But uh, I was, when, when Max came in, he said, I have something I want to share with you. He said, we've got, a, we've got a tie to that conference. Man, cool. Uh, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but if I, if I mentioned to you, uh, this, you may not believe it. If I mentioned to you King Thomas, how many of you know who I was talking about? A few. Uh, a young man prophesied over in this church several years ago. I've never seen a moment in my life quite like it. I've never, from two standpoints, because Amanda was here and she was prophesying, Rhea was prophesying, and and when Thomas came up, everything stopped. Because she saw something in Thomas, and the strange part was that what she was about to do, the anointing over Thomas, you could visibly see Satan attacking her, trying to stop it. It was a profound moment to watch. And so from, from that moment, the question's, okay, where in the world is Thomas? He moved to Kansas City, spent some time there, came back. But Max shared with me this morning, just recently, he was asked to join the praise team. Where, Max? Uh, Transformation Church. Tra- Transformation Church in Love. He had been just recently asked, to join the praise team. A week ago or? Uh, it's gone on three weeks. Now. Three weeks. They told Thomas this past week that he would be singing at that conference. If you know that story, that path at all, you would be shocked. 
because you can't describe that path and describe it in human terms. You can't describe this young man and all the places that he's been since that anointing to get him on the stage at a Graham Cook conference. You can't describe that in human terms. You see, we cannot be the people of God. We cannot be the people of his presence by human ability. I wish we would just confess it. I wish we would just acknowledge it. I wish we would just run quickly to the end of ourselves so that we could discover what was one step beyond my capability. Just one step. There was a reason why Pharaoh didn't want to let Moses and the children of Israel do what they asked because they did not ask. Pharaoh says, would you set us free? That wasn't the request. The request that they made of Pharaoh was, would you let us go one day's journey into the wilderness and have a church service? Why couldn't Pharaoh let them go? One day, for one moment, come back, why couldn't he let them go? Because he knew that if they tasted of one more step, he would never get them back. I wish we would just run to that point find the end of ourselves, take that step, because if we ever do, we will never be the same people. We will never be the same church. We will never have the same understanding. We will never preach the same messages. We will never live the same lives, and we will never hesitate when God gives us an opportunity to testify of his miraculous change in our lives. We will not be able to keep our seats if we ever experience one more step. It takes kingdom power. It takes Holy Spirit power. It takes a spiritual reality that comes by encounter. You don't have encounter, you won't know what I'm talking about. If God isn't real to you as as God became real to Paul on the road to Damascus, because Paul knew it all. He knew every story. He knew the oracles of God. He knew the law backward and forward. He says he was a zealot. He knew it. But what changed him? What would allow him to come eventually and say, I look behind me and count all of that dung. I look back and lay all of that down for the prize that's in front of me. What changed it? He had an encounter with God. I will assure you, we will not be transformed by the knowledge we gain in our head. We will be transformed by the encounters that we have with a living God who loves us and has such a desire to engage us each day. What I want to do this morning goes beyond sermons and those things spoken for just a few, for a few minutes. I want to tell you as simply as I can what's really on my heart. I find some consolation in that that this is where Paul's heart was as well. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Such a powerful chapter in so many ways. It's one of those when you start, you don't want to stop because verse by verse, the story unfolds. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll begin with verse 1. Paul says in this first letter to the church in Corinth, And I, brethren, when I come to you, 
come not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. I want to stop right there for just a second. Because the expectation of most pastors standing in most pulpits is that they would deliver just exactly what Paul says, I'm not going to come with those things. Most pastors, especially, I'm not going to say that. Most pastors who have been trained to be pastors have spent hours in training to teach them how to put messages together that have the things that Paul says, I will not bring to you. I will not bring to you the excellency of my speech. I won't bring to you the excellency of my wisdom. I won't come unto you declaring. I won't come unto you in my speech, in my preaching that has enticing words of men's wisdom. Those things that we have elevated. We come out of church telling the preachers, good message, man, you... You got it. There will be no transformation according to Paul and where my heart is if we don't go to that next verse and says, I didn't come with those things, but I came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You will not be transformed sitting here today. I, I hope that, that it could happen otherwise. But I've watched generations of this now, and I know better that, that nothing moves dynamically until we come with the expectation and the willingness to speak by testimony of those demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. They've, they've disappeared. As a matter of fact, you can go church by church and you will find an, a zero anticipation of any demonstration of the Spirit and any demonstration of power. And if the pastor were to even suggest that that was going to happen, most of the people would vacate the premises before he ever had an opportunity to bring them to that point. Not here. Praise God, not here. I don't think many would leave. If, there was, if, there, if, if you knew this morning there was going to be a great demonstration of God's power in the Spirit. As a matter of fact, I don't think that would be the case at all. But I want to tell you, and you know this, how rare it is that someone would actually go to church and expect that there be any demonstration of any transforming power. We don't come expecting the supernatural, but listen to what Paul is saying. He's saying those things that have been valued, even Paul saying that I once valued, and I will say it, that I once valued. I don't have any desire to entice you with the words I know, because if I did, I'd get me a thesaurus and I would start looking up impressive words. And I would start babbling to you in terms that, that uh, would make you just absolutely impressed and stupefied at the words that I said because you would hear me clearly and understand nothing that I said.
Listen to this again. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many today would stand and say that my faith is built on the power of God and it's faith that I have seen, demonstrated, watched, How many can testify that that's what my life is about? That's who I am. And I can't change this story. I can't change Paul's heart. I can't change mine. Without demonstrations of power. Now I get to live, as I've told you repeatedly, I get to live in a very, very privileged place because I get to watch the demonstrations of power. I get to watch the supernatural sitting in a park last Friday morning with a woman that I'd been meeting with and counseling with and talking to because of of things that had happened to her in her childhood. This is one of the older ones that I've ever dealt with because we were back around two years old, maybe before that, when the words that Satan spoke over her were released and she has lived. I won't tell her age, but there's a seven in it and it's it's not the second number lived these years under that identity. I want to tell you, sitting in that park and hearing the testimony since, I have no doubt of the supernatural power of God to change and transform and heal. For for Ashley to be going back to school tomorrow, that's no small thing. To be in that room that day when they had, had the heart line on her already, in anticipation of what could happen, and they asked us to leave because they were the intubate. Is that the right word? And they asked us. They asked us to leave. They were at that point of concern. She hadn't. We were there. She she wasn't moving anything except her eyes, basically. Not her eyes. Oh, that's right. She she just yeah. That's where she was. They come down the hall and get us, take us down to visit with the doctor and said, we could tell there was this odd moment for the doctor. We were wondering what happened. Sure wasn't long enough for this to actually have taken place. So we'd go back down to to this office and he sits down with us and says, what's happened in her life? Like, what are you talking about? And he said, when they started trying there was power in those arms. And she was fighting, this, this girl who was paralyzed seconds before was fighting with all, with all intensity to stop that tube from going down her throat. And that afternoon, her sitting up on the side of the bed, I think it was that afternoon, the next afternoon, prayer, this transforming, I mean, this is, this is who we're talking about. She's going back to school three years demonstrations of power that cannot be assigned to anything except the Holy Spirit. Many of you sitting here today are sitting here with a new identity because the old has been broken away. That, that, that brokenness that had been behind you has now been released and you're walking and running into the freedom that's in front of you. You know who you are now according to that which God has told you and you are a demonstration of power 
but nobody's going to know it if you don't open your mouth and tell it or go out and live it. You are the demonstrations of this power. We read about it. Zach preached about it from Revelation. How was Satan destroyed? You remember, Zach? Testimony. You want to start breaking down barriers. You want to start bringing people into hope. You start telling your story. You don't have to, you don't have to, do, you don't have to glorify it. Just say, yesterday, this day, sitting in the park, this is what happened to me. I was this and now I'm this and I'm confident if you're this, then God will help you become this. Paul begins by doing what we're told in speech class never to do. I took speech and they said, never start a speech by by giving an apology. Never start by saying, you know, I'm sorry that I don't know much about the subject. I'm sorry that I'm not a public speaker. They're going to discover that quickly enough. You don't. Just don't need to tell them. No excellent speech, not with wisdom, but declaring, I came not knowing anything among you or about you. When I was with you, I was weak, afraid and trembling. When I came to you, my, my speech and preaching didn't include enticing words. But now Paul strikes this resonating chord. It's like, he, you know, Mark and, uh, and Stacy, after the dinner other night, gave me a gift of a shofar. And uh, I was enough of a trumpet and French horn player years ago that I, I remembered what an embouchure was and can actually, can actually play the shofar. I don't know the sounds, but uh, that shofar, it has a, it has a haunting sound. It, it, will, it will cause chills because we know that's the sound we're going to hear. Around the world, when that, the sound of the shofar, the sound of the trumpet, when Jesus calls us home, we live in anticipation of that sound. So even now, it does something inside us. But Paul wanted to strike a chord that was so familiar, so resonating, that everyone could hear it. He didn't want to be confusing. He didn't want for anyone to misunderstanding. That it's not going to be through the preparation of sermons and the use of good commentary because he didn't ever ask us to be people of the program. He asked us to be people of the presence of God. And we've exchanged it poorly. So there's Paul's heart. There's my heart. And I I believe that it is the the collective heart of this congregation. I don't believe this congregation wants to go back to boring and normal. I can't come with enough knowledge or education to see any great healing or any great transformation. If your faith is going to stand... In something greater than the wisdom of men, there must be demonstrations of the Spirit. No class or sermon can do, can do that without the Holy Spirit. I truly hope this doesn't freak you out, but the, but the church to be a place where the power of God is welcome and demonstrated should be exactly who we are. 
It's demonstrated by our lives and the freedom in which we walk. It's, dem- it's demonstrated by our lives and the supernatural, unconditional love that we share between us, kindness, caring, compassion, all demonstrations of great power. It's demonstrated in prayer with hope and expectation. It's also demonstrated by you and the supernatural story you carry, your testimony of the radical changes within your own life. It's demonstrated when we focus our aim on all things dark and see people set free and chains removed and there is no more glorious day than to get to take the bat or the weapon, find the enemy, search him out in the darkness because I'm not afraid to go there. Take care, carrying nothing more than, than, than the bat of the assurance of the spiritual reality of my last encounter, the spiritual reality of the truth that he just gave me to pick up that bat, walk into the darkness and not worry about who's in there because there is no greater opportunity for us to search him out because he's hiding in someone's story. He's hiding in someone's mind. He's hiding in someone's heart. He's hiding, he's hiding in someone's home and to be able to go find him And by the power that God gave us in the word and the power of our testimony, the reality of him, to to just put him to, to, I can't even think the right word. I don't want to just hit him. I want him gone. I don't want him to suffer. I want him absent. I don't want want him to actually be able to hear you, even hear his breath around you anywhere because we have that supernatural power to go into that darkness without fear, carrying the power of that which God gave us. But I don't want you to go in if you haven't experienced the power of that testimony. You will not understand it. You will not be able to go. You will hesitate in that moment to step into that darkness if you haven't already experienced the power of God. I want us to be labeled. I want this church to be labeled. I hope you do as well, because I want this labeled. I want this label, Spirit-filled people. I want that label. I want the label as the people who move in faith. I want to be labeled that we are the people who move through the clarity of obedience. I want to be labeled the people with the expectation of the Spirit power through that will transform us and heal. That's what I want people to know. I don't want anybody to say that preacher preaches a good message down there at that church or that they have a good praise team. I don't want those. It's all right. But that will change no life. That will change no story. I don't care how good we get at it. It will transform no one There will be no transformation without the demonstration of power. The testimonies that go with it. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to end with this. I just want you to take one step. I just want you to take one step. Ephesians chapter 3, I begin with verse 14. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, 
according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take on a homework assignment. You don't have to. There won't be a test. I won't give you a test. He may give you a test. That's his business. I want you, this is, this is the assignment. I, I would like for you, I'd like for you to handwrite these verses. This is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. In a journal somehow, somewhere that you, would, that you would keep up with it, I would like to get you to handwrite these verses, but I want you to change the verses. Just change a few words, there won't be many. And I want it to read like this. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his, by, by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, that I being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. I just want you to change it from, from you to me. Make it personal. Put your name in there if you'd like to. Because the rest of the assignment after you write it the first day, I want you to read it just seven days. Don't skip a day. Read it every day. Read it over yourself for seven days. Because my expectation, if we do this in obedience, as God showed me and gave me the clarity that there will be demonstrations of power when you recognize, what am I asking? Now, I will tell you, if you don't want this, don't do it. If you don't want this, don't ask him. Don't write it because when, if, if I believe if he's going to ask us and show us and give me this so we can do it in obedience together. If I'm going to say to him, because of this, Father, I bow my knees unto you that you would grant me according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in my heart by faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and so that I can know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abovening all that we, that I ask or think, according to the power that works in me, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. If you got the courage, write it, make it personal, and ask him and see what he says. Yes, ma'am. Can I add, uh, those who can might want to bow their knees as they read. 
Yeah, if you, if you want to do that first part, bow your knees. If you're physically able, bow your knees. Read it. Start your day with it. I hope for me that after seven days, I don't need the paper anymore. I hope it gets so set on my heart that I can memorize it and just say it so that any time of the day, anywhere I am, that I can say that again, just recognizing, what I, Father, what am I asking? I'm asking you to let me become a demonstration of that power. I don't want to just go to work tomorrow. I want to go to work in the demonstration of your power. I don't want to go and just, and just hang out with my friends tomorrow. I want to be a demonstration of power. I want my life to be a demonstration of you because you have moved in me and through me in a way that I could not accomplish, but that you promised you would if I would just ask. Write it the first day. All I'm, the only reason to write is to slow you down. Just slow you down so that you can process the words, consider what you're asking, and then take that handwritten note and read it. And if you can, on your knees. If you can't, wherever you are. See, this is what I'm asking. Because an untamed world will be unmoved unless we are an untamed church can't be tame anymore. An untamed world will be ineffective, unaffected by a tame and dead church. We're going to have to be the untamed to reach an untamed world. Father, thank you. you this, is, this is a step in revival. Not the kind that we once had but one, Lord, where the whole church moves in a demonstration of your power at one time. Where the revival comes because we ask you to revive that which we cannot revive. That you put life and power. Not that we go stand on street corners, but we just simply live each day what we say we think, we say we know. We say we believe. We, we, we say that your love, let, so let us be that love. And watch lives be transformed by it. We say, Lord, that you are truth and that you live in us. So, Lord, just let us be that truth to someone and watch them be set free by your truth. Demonstrations of power. Let us hug someone, hold someone, pray for someone, reach out to someone where we don't think we've got a chance in the world of affecting their life. Let us reach anyway because we know that it's your arms that are reaching. It's your heart that's loving. It's your power that's transforming. Let us move. Let us move in the simplest ways into that darkness because we will not fear. Because we have the weapons that are mighty through God for the pulling down of those strongholds that are built in dark minds and in dark lives. Thank you, Father for this reminder this, remorn, this morning that you have revived us, that we carry resurrection power and it can empty a grave. We've seen it do it and we believe it with all our hearts. Thank you, Father, that you bring us this reminder this morning that you, that you have come to demonstrate power and demonstrate who you are, that the excellence would be of you and not of us, no glory for the earthen vessel, but excellency for the one 
that's found within it. Father, thank you this morning for all that you said, all that you are, all that you've done, who you are to us, who you are to this world. Thank you, Father, for the restoration that is promised and the victory that we get to read about. Thank you, Father, that you've already established us. We're not wondering if we are. We know that we are. Thank you, Father, for the assurance of that this morning. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.